everybody. My name is Tony Barnes. I'm a father, husband, realtor with Keller Williams Pinehurst, professional musician, ambassador for Military Foundation, Camp Resilient North Carolina, and corporate leader for Patriot Foundation. I've always been fascinated by people. Everyone I meet, I try to hear as much of their story in whatever brief moment in time we share. Even the most average-seeming human could have a captivating story. This show is about unlocking the stories of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and those whose names have positively influenced the communities they serve that maybe I haven't met yet, but can't wait to. This show is simply called More or Less with Tony Barnes. More is in Moore County, the beautiful southern North Carolina community that many of us call home. And because some of these stories need to be shared much more. Less as in less serious, lighthearted conversations with one-of-a-kind humans about how they do more. Have you ever done any uh, podcasts or recordings or interviews like this? Or? I did once years ago mm-hmm. with um, Bill Sahadi. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's interesting. I'm doing a, a transaction with him right now. Are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to have him at yeah. Pilot Radio. Yeah, that'd be cool because... I didn't. I, I wasn't familiar. I know a lot of people are, but I wasn't familiar with it until uh, somebody had told me when, when we got into a transaction. I, I was like, "Yeah, it's Bill Sahadi." He was like, "Oh, you know, he does a podcast too. He's been doing it for a long time." Yeah. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah, long time. I think. Yeah. I mean, it, that'd be a little nerve wracking. That's like me as a musician, you know, um, interviewing or playing in front of another musician. Right, you know, right. <laughs> somebody. You know, in, in Nashville, I lived there for five years in Tennessee, and you know, everybody's a musician. So when we would play out, you know. You always get these these crossed arms and stares like they're better than you. <laughs> uh, Not that Bill would do that, but that's just how I feel like, you know, sometimes in, in Nashville it's very, uh, you know, what's the word, uh, concerning how everybody in there is a musician and they're usually pretty good. You know? right, so right. They're judging you with their eyeballs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not that Bill would do with that. With their earballs. Their earballs, yeah. <laughs> so, My uh, daughter used to live in Clarksville. Oh, I yeah. know that you probably – know where that yeah, is absolutely. yeah uh-huh. her hubby was stationed at fort campbell okay yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i loved nashville but it was uh you know as a musician i was there for five years and um you know racked up enough debt between college <laughs> and uh going to nashville for five years to try to be a famous musician that i decided that eventually i'd have to get a job well i mean my job was music but <laughs> right. i couldn't do music full-time in nashville because everybody's doing it you know you have to travel 500 miles just to get 500 bucks for a gig for five people you know so Man. that's why i moved out of town and came back here and at that time you know i could play solo duo and make you know an, an honest blue collar living for 12 years which is what i did so but i wouldn't have been able to do that in nashville so yeah you know. no and we're glad you came home well thanks I'm glad I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> i love this place you know when i grew up here it's like a lot of people you you don't really know how good you got it until you leave and you come back a few times you know uh, when i was a kid you know everybody wanted to get out you know and go explore and that's normal stuff you know but uh when i came back after living in nashville and uh in texas for a little while and um some other and boone went to appalachian state which boone was awesome but it was a little cold for me uh, okay. but moving back here you realize just how good you have it in a place like this after seeing a lot of the country too because i traveled so much with the band you know we would go to small towns and like Dillon, South. No offense if anybody's from Dillon, South Carolina. But I'm sorry, but, but uh, you know, right outside, south of the border, you know, we played at this uh, 
we played at this uh, like brick or center block building that was right in front of a big cornfield in Dillon, South Carolina. There was no, I was like just in the middle of nowhere. And that night, to say the least, was very interesting. Uh, the people that showed up to listen to a country rock and roll band out in Dillon, in Dillon, South Carolina. Yeah, it was uh, no offense to the Dillonites. The Dillonese. Dill, dill, <laughs> Dillonians. <laughs> yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry, I got off on a tangent there. But uh but yeah, so today we have uh Kim Nixon, right? Kim, Kim Nixon. That's right. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I, I I played a gig for a guy named Jim Dixon two nights ago. So like, Wait, I almost got I'm glad I didn't call you Jim. Sorry. <laughs> yes, this is Kim Nixon and she does a uh, she's uh, I guess founder, is that right? Or I'm the founder and the president and executive director for Changing Destinies Ministry. Awesome. Thank you for helping me out there. I had it in my notes and I almost flubbed it up immediately so uh we also have uh frank daniels here executive producer his beard's looking good like always i, I am i yeah. waited to trim it i'm gonna trim yeah. it again tonight <laughs> well we didn't see each other last week because unfortunately well, this will be a couple of weeks from now when it airs but obviously everybody in moore county knows about the uh terrible situation that happened with the power outage for four or five days and uh so we didn't get to see each other last week i actually there, frank, think so. it's going on next week is it next yeah. week? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so two, two weeks from now. Or, yeah. well, one week from now. Yeah, that's so right. It'll, we it'll have two been weeks. two weeks since the power outage. That's yeah. right. And we missed yeah. a week because uh, I was on vacation. So, anyway, um, everybody, I'm sure, is aware of that uh, if you've been around here for the last couple of weeks. So, so I've missed you, Frank. You know, I know. Likewise. Yeah. I grew a beard, too. See, like, I, it looks I didn't good. Wanna, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. We talk about facial hair a lot on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, You're the first person we've had on who doesn't have a beard. Well, well no, we had you know, oh, no. Gold Star Spouse. Yeah. Yes, some other uh, yes, women right. on and stuff but but, but there's been a in lot a of weird, weirdly a lot of bearded people here <laughs> we, since it's become a a regular type of of conversation i think because yeah. that for when uh resilient came resilient was on here we weren't talking about beards yeah. it wasn't like a that took a couple episodes for us to get get into the beard talk. Yeah, that was one of, one of the first shows there, Camp Resilient, North Carolina. Um, but yeah, so we, we 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 if you haven't noticed, we like to ramble on this show a little bit. So uh, just you can tell us to shut up or slap us at any minute. That's fine. It's okay. We, or or say hey, I'd like to get some info out there. <laughs> yeah. Or isn't this show about, about my? Opinion? Right. Yeah, sorry, we we talk a little bit too much. But uh, but yeah, if you will, um, you know, uh, Kim, tell us a little bit about how I guess you got started uh, or where you grew up kind of a little bit early history of your of your life did you grow up in this area or i didn't i grew up in northeastern ohio okay are you uh brown is that brown's country or is that bingles country that's bingles browns browns okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a, that was a very Cleveland fierce browns. aggressive browns okay. <laughs> get it right yeah that's all right. so well i'm sorry for, i'm sorry for your loss <laughs> no, i'm just kidding the browns have been you know they've actually been sort of okay for a couple of years but the panthers my team has been terrible since 2015 really so um we're starting to feel that uh, perennial, uh, you know, uh, uh, failure that the Browns had for so long. So. <laughs> but, uh, but that's awesome. So, uh, what what brought you to this area, Piners? So, I was in the military. I served in the Navy for twenty four years. Oh, thank you. And when I retired in two thousand five, I got a job with the Army doing what I was doing in the Navy. I was a civilian contractor with uh, the JFK Special Warfare Training Group, oh. and um, that, so that's what brought me down here oh, is awesome. I was a, an instructor. Well, thank you very much for your service. We've had uh, – and I, I wasn't aware of that until you just told me, so that's awesome. Uh, we actually have a lot of military connections, obviously, here on the guests that have come because it's such, such a – you know. 
place for the military yeah. here, obviously, with Fort Bragg next door. So thank you very much for your service. Um, my parents were briefly four years when I, before I was born in the Air Force. But other than that, they served their four years, and they you know went on to civilian life. And um, But we, we obviously know how important Fort Bragg is and, and uh, all the great soldiers that have served uh, past and present. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, what about what time did you – what was the time frame when you moved here? And, uh, you know, uh, just tell us a little bit after that how you got into the ministries uh, here and created that. Right. So I came in 2005, and I worked at um, Camp McCall for eight years. And prior to putting in uh, – to resign from that position, I felt – I started hearing about human trafficking. There was a week – probably around between August and November that I couldn't turn on anything. I couldn't look on the internet. I couldn't look at a billboard without I just kept seeing this human trafficking, which honestly, I think I had heard the term once before. um, And I really didn't even know what it was. And I just felt this calling on my life at that point to start this ministry. So that's where it started. And uh, a co-founder came on board. Her name is Sandy Stewart. And in January of 2013, Sandy and I convened our first board of directors. And I felt led to open a shelter. That was the purpose. But Sandy and I had that conversation where a lot of people in our area aren't aware of what human trafficking is, which honestly, I wasn't either. Um prior to hearing about it. And we felt like in order for people to want to, you know, fund and work at a shelter, they needed to understand there was a problem. So we decided to start off with awareness events. And so in uh, October of 2013, we had our first awareness event. It was at Sand Hills Community College. And we had different abolitionists from around North Carolina who came. There were people who were selling things uh, there that trafficking survivors had made. We had guest speakers. One was a trafficking survivor herself. Uh, She came out of Charlotte. We had another woman who was running an organization called um, Fashion for Compassion. She came and she was kind of our MC or our moderator. And... um, After that, I felt led to, after going through all the training, I was attending seminars and different um, symposiums about human trafficking, I felt led to go to our local strip club because women who are working there are in danger of being trafficked. Either they have been trafficked or they're, they're a target for traffickers based on their occupation. And so I just felt led to go there. So I went and asked the manager if I could come for Thanksgiving and bring them some dinner, and he said I could. And I asked um, also for Christmas, can I come and bring some Christmas presents? And so um, on Thanksgiving of 2013, we went to the club and took a Thanksgiving dinner, and that ministry lasted six and a half years. So our last visit was February 14th of 2020, And at that point, the club changed ownership as well as COVID happened. So we shut that ministry down. And I just felt led to focus completely on opening the shelter. Um, And a little bit of a side note is uh, after we took the Thanksgiving dinner, the very next day, 
my oldest daughter sat me down and told me that she had been trafficked 12 years prior when I was active duty military stationed in uh, the Chicago area, uh, I had been transferred to Maine, uh, which, you know, several hundred miles away from where she was. She was 18 and she decided to stay there. And about a week, she said, after uh, I moved my family out to Maine, a woman that I had allowed her to babysit for when she was 14, um, and she babysat for her for about three or four years, that woman's husband approached my daughter and offered her to meet up with his wife. Um, he said that there was a possible modeling opportunity, that his wife was connected with people in the modeling industry, and she needed to, to get up with her, which she hadn't seen the woman for a while. And so she did, and it was all a ploy. It was all a trafficking ploy. Apparently, uh, these people were affiliated with a legitimate modeling agency, but this was kind of a side thing that they were doing with other women. And I, I don't want to share all of her story because it is her story, but just to say that my calling made sense at that point to me. I understood that it was more than just a calling. It was, I felt that God was revealing to me something that had happened to my child 12 years prior, which even though I didn't know she had been trafficked, I saw the devastation that comes with human trafficking because her life was in a spiral downward. And I didn't have any explanation, but I saw it. And so... At that point, it became extremely personal. And luckily for her, if you think about it, she had a mother who for a year had been learning about human trafficking. So she had an advocate. She was also older. Uh, housing wasn't an issue. You know, she was able to make a living and so forth. But um, the healing process that I've watched her go through. So if you think about it, this revelation came in 2013. Uh, so I've watched her through this healing process, which is, is difficult, but she again had a support system. There's a lot of young women out there who are running from their families. They don't have a support system. So a shelter makes sense because they need a place to go where they're safe. They can get away from the trafficker. They can reflect, they can heal, and their lives can be transformed, which is our vision. Our vision is that young women who have been sex trafficked would encounter God's love. We're a faith-based organization. They would encounter his love and their lives would be transformed and they would be reintegrated into society. Um, and so the way we realize our vision is our mission is to open up this shelter, to open up a place of refuge, a place where they can encounter God, where their lives can be transformed, where we're running a Christ-centered uh, residential program and that they can be reintegrated, um, healed, whole, transformed. So again, we're trying to provide this place for others who may not have a great support system. And even if they do, there's so much trauma associated with human trafficking that they honestly need a, a specific type of treatment program in order to process through that, a trauma-informed program, which we want to provide. Um, 
We, uh, so we've been working steadily on this since February of 2020. And in April of this year, we, we had found a property about three years ago, and we were finally able to purchase it in April of this year. And it's called Rachel's Refuge. And it will be for sex trafficked women between the ages of 18 and 35. It will be a Christ-centered, trauma-informed program um, between 12 and 24 months, a place where women can come and heal. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you very much for, you know, it's, it's amazing the guests we've had on the show that uh, have similar, I mean, obviously a little bit different, but they're all, some of them are very connected. You know, um, Cliff Brown with Teamworks Organization, uh, I think you said you have crossed paths with him before, right? Yes. Um, I just saw him yesterday, and they were meeting with uh, AA, the, the leaders at AA, and all this, you know, uh, he's trying to do a transitional advancement center for a homeless. And you can imagine a lot, I mean, a lot of uh, sex trafficked women are homeless or, you know, very close to it, if not. So, I mean, I think... It's really great to see, even though we're, I mean, this brings us to also awareness, right? Because people don't realize we have homeless or we have sex trafficked women in Moore County, you know, because you think of Pinehurst and, you know, wealth and, and stuff like that. And, you know, people don't really see it. Uh, so, you know, thank you very much for, for what you do and, and for what you've been doing for a long time. And, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that getting that awareness, what to look for? I mean, because uh, from and what we. Maybe before we get there, can yeah. you talk about what is trafficking? I mean, what. Is there a definition or a, a collect um, a collection of definitions that you can share that um, could help us and people understand what people in general talk about when they say trafficking or human trafficking? Right. So there's three people involved. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear about sex trafficking, they're thinking prostitution. Prostitution is more of a two-person transaction. Trafficking, and, and sorry to interrupt, but I, I also think that maybe in the business, in the lingo, that would be called sex work, right? Correct. And they might also be trafficked, but it might be referred to differently. Well, for someone to be trafficked, there's always a third party right. who's benefiting from that transaction. The person may have some benefits from it, may be able to keep some of the money, but generally the third party is the one who's profiting from either the sex transaction or there's also labor trafficking where sex isn't necessarily involved. It's a forced labor, basically, where the person is working but not getting um, compensated properly being forced to stay in an area, their passport taken, or what have you. So those are the two forms of uh, sexual exploitation or tra uh, labor trafficking. Mm. Man, that's uh, yeah. So I mean, so you've been here doing this for since 2013. You said for or at least this mission that you've had. Um, I Correct. Mean, is there a a range of how like I mean how often you see that in Moore County or um, have you experienced many women that have, over the years that have gone through this in Moore County what should we look for you know just to kind of keep an eye out and be vigilant about stuff like this yeah so um, and that's the problem with human trafficking is it doesn't always present the way that you think that it would you mentioned you know we don't Norm necessarily see it happening in Moore County as maybe Fayetteville, for mm -hmm. example, with people walking the street or something. Especially with technology, it's gone more underground. You have the internet with different websites um, that, that are called escort 
websites or something to that effect, which my daughter was trafficked through one of those websites. Um, so it's more underground and maybe not readily seen, but there's so many different things that you can look for. Um, and I would encourage people to research uh, either on our, our website or other websites, but typically um, people who's there's a personality change, they become more secretive. Maybe there's, um, in my daughter's case, um, their appearance is more dilapidated than maybe before. I know prior to the trafficking, um, she was very concerned about her appearance, and I saw that that was one of the signs. It had gone down significantly because there's something internally that happens to a person with their self-esteem and other things. Um, the traffickers, uh, they if you see somebody, especially a younger person with an older person who seems to be trying to control everything, uh, maybe taking control of the conversation, uh, making decisions for that individual. For example, she said at um, hair salons, the trafficker would be there making um, choices for the hair color, the hairstyle, that kind of thing. The same with nail salons. Uh, you see somebody with a couple of cell phones, that's a red flag. There's so many different red flags to look for. But if you know the person, you see a change in their behavior, their personality, their habits, very tired maybe because they're up working all night, that kind of thing. Maybe a drug addiction. Drug addiction is hugely connected to human trafficking. That's one of the ways traffickers will control their victims. Um, some trafficking survivors have talked about uh, maybe they were in high school and they would go to school and then on the Friday the trafficker would pick them up, tra traffic them all weekend and then they'd be back in school. So it may not norm necessarily be someone who you know, is kidnapped or off the grid. You might actually be walking amongst people who are being trafficked. Um, there could be a change in their dress code. I noticed that with my child, um, you know, dressing more provocatively or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, but you can't put your finger on just one or two signs. There's so many different things to look for. And it's important to start the conversation and for people to educate themselves. And a lot of times your gut is gonna tell you something's not right here. We just had an event where uh, we had a keynote speaker and she said she was in a restaurant and noticed a young girl who had makeup and clothing inappropriate for her age, trying to make her look older. And there was an older gentleman with a suit and it didn't look like a family member situation. And she remembers having a check in her gut, like something is not right here, but she didn't know what she was looking at. And a lot of times you feel that, you'll see something that you are saying to yourself, there's something not right here with this picture. Mm -hmm. So trust that instinct and it's important to act. And what, how would someone act? Notify law enforcement. Um, and, you know, and the, there's a, a, a hotline number if you suspect that you're seeing human trafficking. It's a national hotline. Polaris Project in Washington, D.C. runs that hotline. The number is 1-888-3737-888. If you're local here in Moore County, the Moore County sheriffs have a hotline. You can remain anonymous if you wish, but I would call the Moore County 
um, hotline, or if you see an obvious crime happening, you can call 911 if you're not sure of the municipality or you don't have the specific police station um, and dial up on your phone. Just call 911. If you're not sure, I'd call the tip, the hotline for the Moore County Sheriff's. Thank you for providing that information. Uh, certainly something that we, or that I, you know, haven't really thought about, like probably many people in Moore County, that this is certainly an issue that goes on behind the scenes that you don't really know about. You know, I mean, even with the homeless, too, which kind of goes hand in hand, you see them a little bit, so you sort of know, you know, you see them a couple, in a couple places around Moore County, and you sort of know that it exists, but you don't really know the extent of it. But with trafficking, I can, it's even more secretive and you don't you don't really see it you know, i mean yeah. as often so yeah you're not going to see some some movie portrayal of a, a prostitute for instance like you mentioned that's not what it's going to look like yeah no and when you have major events in the area too understand that traffickers are attracted to major events like um you know, when we have the U.S. Open here, we had eyes on the ground looking for that sort of thing. The Super Bowl is a huge one where trafficking uh, is prevalent so and that sort of thing. Are people like, do they go and they kidnap people in, at events like that? Or is it just one of the things where they'll bring some, you know, people that they are trafficking currently and try and exploit them? Yeah, so it could be either way. I heard of a, a situation in Texas probably about a year ago. The, a father took his 15-year-old daughter to an event. She went to the bathroom, couldn't find her. That's what happened. Someone approached her in the bathroom. It was a trafficking situation. Or it could be they're coming in from other areas. Um, as I said, they're attracted to events, so they will transport the women, you know, to wherever the event is taken um, so that they're hoping that people you know will be interested in that and that's where large groups of people are um, coalescing so it could be either or right well yeah a buddy of mine uh, lived or lived in Vegas for a long time and I heard that that's a huge thing out there or at least you hear about it because obviously people come from all over the world so many casinos a lot of money you know a lot of all that and uh he said that that was unfortunately he, he worked in casinos so he he saw it you know going on and it was you know he didn't really know what to do at, at that point he was younger and stuff so it definitely just the awareness you know obviously is a big thing you know um definitely want, i mean now that i'm aware of it by meeting you and that it does go on in our our area you know it's a it's a good example a good uh, kind of thing here too to think about is that we never thought that there would be a power outage from a t domestic terrorist attack right. in Moore right. County, right? You know, Moore County, we love Moore. I mean, most people that live here, you love it. You realize it's such a great place to live and raise a family. At least for me, you know, and you know, you don't, you never in a million years thought that somebody would would take out our power grid on purpose because of whatever reason, right? Not in Moore County, not here. You know, so that's I think it's a similar thing you know if it's out of you don't think about it, it can't happen here but now that should be a really rude awakening for everybody no matter where you live that you know bad things happen in the best places you know right um, so be aware and be prepared you know so so that's thank you so for true. all the work that you do uh and have been doing that's uh that's amazing and, and whatever you know we can do uh the public to help uh and bring more awareness yeah, sorry. It just occurred to me. I asked what we could do as a, you know, we're adults, but a lot of it occurs to me that a lot of 
children, younger people, not children, but like teenagers might be in a better position to notice things that are happening because, of course, they're probably one of the prime target ages uh, for traffickers. And they might not be comfortable calling the sheriff or something. If somebody's listening, I, I don't know how they would get the information right at this moment, but what could a, a younger person do? I mean, are there resources for them? I mean, I might be answering my own question, but, like, do they go to the school guidance counselor? I mean, do they... Do you have a way that they could contact you and then you could facilitate some sort? I mean, what uh, what might be a younger person's avenue? Are there Facebook groups that they could contact? I mean, I think a trusted adult. You mentioned a guidance counselor. I think that's an excellent route. If a child were to see something they were concerned about a fellow student, right. I think that is the best option is a, that trusted adult or a parent. Um, and what you said about awareness, that's just huge. It's just being aware, keeping our eyes open, realize that this is happening all over the United States in every demographic. You mentioned our very nice county. It's definitely happening here. I brought here, you know, newspaper articles of trafficking, um, you know, just what is known trafficking cases that we've had here in Moore County, but it's an underreported crime. And so there's much more happening and we know that. So Yeah, I think with a guidance counselor too is a good point. You know, maybe they might you might have this as a child or a teenager at high school, you might not want to go to the principal, right? The principal seems like this authoritative figure, right? But right. A, but a guidance counselor is supposed to, that you kind of know that they're there to help you. You know, they I feel like teenagers would be more trusting of them to like they're on your side kind of thing the principal's like the you know right maybe maybe a teacher as well you know i I know that i had better relationships with some of my teachers than even our guidance counselor although he was a pretty jovial outgoing guy Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah. It's a very good point because children might see something for mm-hmm. sure right. with their friend, notice some changes in personality mm-hmm. and in habits, uh, things that are concerning. Mm-hmm. So, and we do need to get the word out to the kids because you're right. The average age of trafficking is 12 to 14 for girls and 11 to 13 for boys, which is a disturbing Gosh, statistic. Even than I thought. Yeah, it's very young and it gets younger. You hear about cases of children, toddlers, babies, um, very disturbing statistics out there. Yeah, we don't, and we we don't need to get just bogged down with uh, numbers. But gosh, yeah, especially having a daughter myself, you know, just turned five. It's you know, you want to keep them. I mean, you just want to protect them. You know with everything you got and you know you, yeah. you, and when once they get a certain age you know they're more independent they're at school they have friends they you know, I, I mean i'm I, i'm not when my daughter was born i was always worried about the teenage years already, you know, like already. <laughs> yeah like, okay i have a daughter now oh god <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have a daughter and i'm worried for <laughs> my daughter's teenage years yeah like, and, but it's but i guess a good point is to say that it's not always females that are trafficked right? right i mean and, and like yeah. i have a young son too that's four so you know I, as a man you know i'm probably I'm, i i don't think about it as much for my son but it is a common thing to for both sexes right i mean it's it's sad how 
oh man I, yeah i don't even think about it you know it is but you have yeah. to think about it yeah right so it's you tough have to, to yeah. think about it right is. exactly yeah. but if we don't bring awareness by you know just keeping it at least you know not top of mind not out of mind either mm-hmm. then right nobody's gonna be able to come up with avenues for help like you did yeah and you also have to be aware that sometimes it's not adults that are recruiting it's other children and we learned that through the jeffrey epstein case remember you know the young women were eventually recruiting each other to come hey here's how you can make some money kind of thing you have to be very careful we have a one of our volunteer donors who years ago her child was going to pinecrest and uh, something happened with her daughter that in- involved a father in this area with four sons. And she later learned that was kind of a trafficking ring. He was using his teenage sons to solicit these girls into compromising situations, blackmail and so forth. There's so many. So as a parent, you have to be so vigilant. Um, as I said the person who got my daughter involved was a woman I had allowed her to babysit with. This wasn't a stranger. You just have to be so vigilant with your young adolescents. They're so impressionable. Most of them have self-esteem issues. They're trying to figure out who they are and find their way in the world. They're looking for groups and love and acceptance. And that's what the traffickers are looking for, children who have maybe an identity issue. And they will groom them and focus on their dreams for example with my daughter her dream was to be a model actress kind of thing which is pretty common with young girls you know the glitz and glamour of fame and this woman zoned in on that and provided that and that's what the trafficker will do i am the answer to your dreams your problems i'm here i accept you and it so there's that grooming process and you have to be careful usually a almost always an adult's going to be involved behind the scenes orchestrating everything but kids can be used so the the old days when i was growing up parents really didn't uh, worry about sending their kid on a sleepover nowadays you have to be concerned about okay where are you having the sleepover i need to meet the parents i need to know the kid you just have to be so careful in this day and age because it's becoming more and more prevalent Um, It's happening everywhere. There's so many techniques. It's kind of like child abduction. You can't give everyone every scenario they might come across. So my advice to parents is just be very vigilant. Don't worry about hurting someone's feelings. Um, You've got to look out for your kids because they don't have the life experience or the perception that's maybe going to protect them in the future from this type of exploitation and and a larger thought that i have about that as well as you know it's it's tough sometimes when we have a busy life and we're trying to provide for our kids and i know tony and i are in a a little bit different scenario that i'm about to talk about because our kids are young they're still learning about the world but you know, it's important, I think, to make time to listen to your kids. You know, I and I know it's tough. I'm I'm, I'm busy, and but that's you know just what you said. 
the traffickers are trying to groom them by listening to what they say and and exploiting their own needs or their own desires their own insecurities and it's nothing there's nothing wrong with being insecure a lot of like you said a lot of teenagers are that's the way of the world i mean think back to when you were younger before you had a a solid sense of identity there was insecurity involved and that can come and go over time even as an adult so you know i just think it's important to be vigilant of the people you come in contact with, but also of how you are interacting with and treating your own children. If, if, and I think that's just a good life lesson in general, but, um, it can maybe help with some preventative, I don't know, like a shield, a refuge, a preventative refuge that maybe can help give a second thought to a child that's you know, if somebody's saying something to them, and, you know, be be real with them, you know. I know I wanted that when I was younger. You know, don't listen to me, but also speak to me. You know, tell me things. Let me know how you're feeling. You know, so that's just my little two cents on that. Yeah, it scares me to think so about. So good. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that's so good. That is exactly it. A a child's looking for attention. It's better to come from a loving parent than to get their morals and their compass from uh, outside of the family. And not that that's bad. There are a lot of people that, you know, like a guidance counselor, or there are a lot of people that are in life that can uh, supplement that. But I, yeah, I do think it's first and foremost, that's what the child is going to look for. Their, to their parents for that because that's what they know from the, the beginning yeah and even like still like i'm thinking about when i was in high school certainly the most impressionable time of my life right um and i mean you know my mom my dad i mean super loving compassionate i'm one of the fortunate ones that you know my parents really loved supported me 100 percent. i mean they they supported me when I dropped out of college and thought going to Nashville to be a famous musician was a better idea. <laughs> Even though they were a little perplexed, they supported me, you know. So, I mean, I've been very lucky, and I know not everybody has that. But even still, very loving Christian, you know, we went to church every Sunday. You know, when my brother and I had an older brother, uh, both of us, you know, what I think about, I think back to the things that we did in high school <laughs> that they didn't know about. You know, it's not their fault. They tried to be involved with our lives and stuff like that. But, man, I mean, I could have died you know so many times and you just look back in hindsight like what was what was i doing what was my brother doing like why were we in those positions and we just were that doesn't mean that their parents didn't care that doesn't mean they didn't try to rate like my parents tried so hard and and i love them so much for that but still i was experiencing all of this that was really you know i had no business pushing boundaries i mean that's uh, you know we're talking about what the nature of kids and the nature of parents i mean pushing boundaries is one of those things like from the beginning all the way until you're an adult i mean you're gonna keep trying to push boundaries and figure out where you stand and what you can do and how far you can go with things i mean that's part of what we talk about on the show i think is you know entrepreneurs pushing boundaries you know people who are trying to help and create something new in the world like changing destinies ministries pushing that boundary and making a new space for something 
in hopefully in our case of our guests like you something good something that can help people but there are boundaries that need to be pushed to make space for that Mm -hmm. a lot of times yeah i just think about and then and i know every every generation i mean i can't imagine i'm sitting here talking about the 90s in high school i can't imagine the (laughs) 70s and 60s right so like you know but for the nine, I mean, the amount of drugs and things that were easily, readily available to a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. And, you know, the, the 17 and 18-year-olds were the ones like, oh, it's cool, man. They're just, you know, like that happens at every generation. But, like, just right. to think of the, the hardcore drugs that were available to, to me in the 90s even in high school. I mean, it's just – it's scary. I mean, like I said, I have two ch- young children now, and I just – it makes me want to be – you know, it's so have an open line of communication so much with my kids, but at the same time, no matter how much you try to be the perfect parent, you know, the kids are going to go do their, they're going to be, they're going to push the boundaries. They're going to do their own thing. Right. And you just hope that they don't get seriously hurt or injured or whatever. I mean, from what they're doing. So, you know, you can't really control that, but you can try to have open communication and, you know, and keep an eye out but really you just have to pray about it and do your best to be the best parent that you can be you know so yeah that's exactly it and also in today's world it's even more difficult with social media that's huge traffickers are trolling that all the time it's not as much like the old days of they're hanging out at the mall looking for teenage girls they're so easily and readily available on social media. They can portray themselves as anyone that they want. And that's just such a dangerous thing. I know that my children have placed, um, there's apps that you can monitor your children's social media. The kids don't like it. They see it as, as a privacy invasion, but I see it as, you know, critical for their safety. The parents have to know who they're talking to and what's being shared. I'll share uh, something that happened about three years ago. Uh, Someone I know, she was 15, uh, attending high school here in this area. Somebody requested her as a friend on Facebook. She didn't know him, but she knew 60 of his friends, which were people from her high school. She thought he was okay. And he started pretty innocently, but it started turning into, hey, can you share these photographs? He was sharing inappropriate photographs. The parents became aware of it, shared it, you know, with law enforcement. And he was doing this to a lot of other young girls. Um, So you and luckily, the 15 year old went to her parents when it started to become extremely inappropriate. And she was very uncomfortable with the pictures he was sending and so forth and the things that he was asking for. So again, you just have to be so vigilant and that open line of communication with the parents is exactly why she felt comfortable that she could go to them with these photographs. If she didn't have that relationship, who knows what he might've been able to accomplish with his ploy. And just to reiterate, from a parent's perspective, it can be scary to open that line of communication. I mean, you want to be a, a a refuge and a place of strength, but, you know, it's okay to tell your kids that you're scared, you know, mm-hmm. because it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um, was the, so that the, the other, the guy, was he was same age or was he older? He was or? older. He, he was, was older. Yeah. He was older. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> that just makes you sick to your stomach, you know. Yeah. Anybody that messes with a child, I mean, a teen, like that, that's the worst kind. I mean, because that's why you hear about in prison. It's not right. Violence is not right. But that's why you hear about the stories of in prison, the people that prey upon children are the the most hated and foul, dis, despised in all of the land, you know, I mean, because that's. They're innocent, you know. I mean, they they can't really they don't know what they're doing, and to take advantage of a child is just the worst, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I think taking advantage of people in general, exactly. you know, it's just not it's not right. Yeah. It's not right. Mm. No, and for the the traffickers, it's all about the money. It's right. the lucrative. It could be also status. Money doesn't actually have to exchange hands. It could be, what am I gaining from it? Uh, I know of a case where a child was uh, handed over to brothers, for example, for sexual exploitation, but there was a benefit to the individual for handing the child over, maybe not necessarily money, but they're going to benefit somehow in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And so it's... A very broad the more I learn about it the more disturbing that it is it's again as I said in 2012 I was completely oblivious even though it had happened to my own child I had no idea the how prevalent this thing is in our society it's because it's a they estimate 150 billion dollar industry of trading people for money or benefit um, as opposed to drugs, which is the primary, but very closely, uh, human trafficking is even exceeding drug um, sales because a drug can only be used once, but a child can be used over and over. They can rake in one person hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, by being exploited. So, um, you know, we would love for this industry to be to halt 100 percent but as long as there's greed and um just an overall lack of empathy or compassion for human beings we're going to see this type of behavior so we just have to fight it in every way that we can the best way to fight it is to prevent it with awareness like what we're doing today this is huge if we can't prevent it then we need to be there for the survivors of this horrific industry we have to provide a place for them to come where they can heal even if it's just outpatient services if they have a place to live or something so that's something that uh, changing destinies and other organizations in moore county are trying to work through um, in order to provide the proper resources and services within our area for people who fall victim well, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a good segue. If you could tell us kind of what you envision on, because uh, you've already bought the property, right? And you're, mm-hmm. you've raised. Um, I guess if you want to start, kind of tell us you raised some money at the fair barn recently in Pinehurst. Is that right? We did. We um, the house that we bought was a hundred years old this year, so we used that to create a, a campaign. We called it our one hundred day campaign. It started on August fifth. And it ended on November 13th, but it's still ongoing. You know, we're always looking to bring on new people who want to donate time, talents, or treasures to the ministry. So um, it's by no means over. But um, we had a video series where we talked about human trafficking and changing destinies. 
And then we had an event in Southern Pines. We did a circus for children and families because that's who we're trying to reach are these young families uh, to prevent the human trafficking. And then we had an event uh, where we honored our volunteers. And then the last one was the gala. Uh, we called it the Centennial Celebration, celebrating 100 years of this home. Not 100 years of our ministry being going, right. but the home being 100 years old. And um, and so we brought in some good money, which is wonderful. That's awesome. And so how do you envision if once this is uh, set up and the house is renovated enough and you have you can, say, open your doors, you know, um, how do you envision somebody that might be, I guess, wanting to come there or to have help? Or you, I guess you'll be at church, churches as well and kind of raising awareness that way. I mean, um, I, I guess I'm trying to say what, what's the typical way to get them in your doors to help them? Right. There will be an intake process. We'll have a team working on that. We will have um, – uh, we will be – reaching out to different organizations who might be referral agents like DHHS or the Sheriff's Department or the court system, various organizations throughout the country that do referrals. There's something called 211, which can serve as a referral service. We're also affiliated with the Samaritan Women Institute for Shelter Care. We're one of their mentees. They're affiliated with... over 200 shelters, faith-based shelters within the U.S. Because we, we will all work together in terms of referring to each other. Uh, typically, wherever a person is trafficked, you want to try to get them out of that area and likewise bring people into our shelter from other areas so that they're safer away from the trafficking environment so they can think and heal. So... There's many different ways that we will be taking that. When we get open, we will um, have we will have been sharing that on social media and other ways how people can refer others to our particular program. Yeah, I didn't think about that. It makes sense for them not to be in the area where I mean, ideally not to be in the area where they're being trafficked because obviously you have safety concerns and also if they just decide one night just to sneak out and be gone, you know, they're back at it. You know, um, make it as easy for that to happen. You know, uh, yeah, so. uh, getting out of the geographical area um, is critical. I I think about when I was a teenager, as you said, just involved in things I probably shouldn't be. I I wasn't able to break free of that until I got out of the geographical area of the people and the influences and the familiarity of the area. I think it's the same with this. Um, Will we take people from the immediate area? Um, We haven't worked through the program part of it as i said we are being mentored right now and we're working on the foundational the you know the fundraising and the shelter getting it ready and so forth but at some point we are looking to be invited back to the samaritan women uh, which the training happens in louisville we went this year february and march we need to be invited back for the programs and services where they'll train us about how to you know create our program and find the people who can help us make that program successful you mentioned 211 is that a national hotline like 411 it is okay it's 
Yeah, the 411, it's kind of based on the same. That's for information to, you know, find phone numbers or what have you. 211 is to find organization and resources. For mental health crisis, correct? Or just in general? For different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They have like a database of different organizations, whatever the issue is. Um, they do referrals. Okay. Well, I think just the, uh, the another attribute that many of our guests have that we talk about every single time because it seems to be a recurring thing is people that go out and don't give up and do these things and and they uh you know every guest we've had has had some sort of story like that they uh you know cliff brown he's only been in it for four years but he's you know he's determined to to help and he's got big dreams and you know what it's so um pleasing to see that like you you've been in it for since 2013 right 2012 2013 and you've stuck with it and now you have a brick and mortar place that you've bought that you can see now it's becoming a reality right i mean even though it was still real now you have this dream that you've had for you know eight nine years that is becoming a reality and that that is that is the biggest thing you know that we want to stress on the show uh, one, among many things like more or less is about we want to talk about serious stuff like this we also want to have fun and talk about some some less serious stuff but any entrepreneur any philanthropist any business any anybody in general that's that that comes on the show has the same thing where they they keep they keep driving they they don't give up they they realize that they can see something and then they can make it happen with just hard work and and putting the word out there and it's just amazing to see and for anybody listening to this show that's the goal i want you we want you to to not give up to to pursue your dreams and to help people and to just be a positive yeah, influence think, you know? think back on the stories when you need inspiration or need that extra little confirmation that what you're doing is hard but worth it. Mm -hmm. And to see, I can imagine the feeling, even though it's not done. And most entrepreneurs and philanthropists and people that have these visions, they don't they don't ever feel satisfied. I mean, not, and that's a good thing. I think they they keep they keep working no matter where they get, you know. But a little piece of you has to when you see the brick and mortar come to life you know that this is going to happen we've got we've worked so hard for so long and now this is a reality i can imagine it's a good feeling to to have and to to motivate you to keep going you know so thank you for what you do yeah thank you yeah, absolutely um where can they uh i guess reach out and find resources about your your ministry and stuff like that online and all that if you want to give some uh, info there awesome uh go to www changingdestiniesministry.org okay. that's our website and you can find information about human trafficking you can there's a contact page to be able to connect with me there's a volunteer application uh, and the criteria that we're looking for for volunteers the different volunteer opportunities that are available and um, that would be the best way I think to contact me Okay. Is there a way? Is there a button to like, or a way to donate on the website? Is, yes. Okay. And yeah. also a big thing too. I think we're hearing from a lot of these uh, charities and organizations is, you know, money is great. You need money. Have to have money to make anything work. But also, it's almost harder sometimes to find helping hands and volunteers and things that you need for certain events and things like that. So, if you can ever, you know, everybody's busy. We all have lives. We all have things that we have to do every single day. Um, but you know make it a point to try to volunteer for for something that means something to you you know i think that's i mean when you do when you really truly do that and make it a part of your regular life i think it it just makes you 
feel like you're really making a difference, you know, and, and I think that's super important for people. If everybody did that, you know, just a little bit, volunteer an hour or two or, you know, uh, we'll do whatever you can to spread, like share it on social media. Like, take a second, share your stuff on social media to your friends. Maybe it helps one person down the line who shares it too. you know, just take a second to do that. You know? Yeah. I mean, you talked about, I like the way I have two things you like. I like the way you said time treasures, uh, time talent or treasures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you don't have money, you can donate time and talent or, you know, any combination of those three things and sharing the inf- sharing you what you're doing. You know, you talk about fighting the human trafficking and preventing it. And one way we can fight it is to be kind and to, you know, be compassionate and help other people you know where we can if if it's not directly related you know like you said tony find something you care about to to donate your time to because kindness will grow it will spread if you put some kindness or something into the world in one place you never know how far it's going to go and who it's going to help and touch and brighten their day and so i just i think that's important that we remember that you know it's always it always matters. I think that's something that some people might say sometimes or might not say to themselves sometimes. And then they do something that is unkind and, you know, maybe thoughtlessly, you know, not even being aware. But, you know, it all—it always matters that we take that extra little effort, I think. Yeah absolutely affects the world you know you, you you can't i mean it's true like a smile can just a smile right. and a kind word mm-hmm. to somebody can change their whole day even really their whole life if yeah. it's the right moment you know right. like seriously that sounds cliche and, and but like it's serious if you can i like just, to say it, cliches are cliches because they're true mm-hmm. you know yeah. and the same thing with the with the all, uh, alternative if you're if you just i mean we all have bad days we all have hard times you know um yeah being mean to someone can also affect the world and them negatively for one day, a minute, or their whole life. You just right. never know the circumstance, you know. So, you know, just try to be kind, you know, like you said. Yeah. So, um, and 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 as far as you'll find, like I, I think there was, I'm, I'm not a military guy. I've never been in the military, um, but I, th- I, I had. A, I, I think we could call you a military guy. Maybe not like <laughs> in the way that you mean, but you're well. Friends and, and yeah, colleagues you, and stuff, yeah. You are a military supporter. Well, supporter, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I think – I can't remember who it was that told me this, but they were in the military and they said that, you know, if you wake up in the morning, the first thing in the morning you do and, – and I'm not the, I, I'm not this guy per se because I don't make my bed every morning, but it's it's kind of true what he says. He's like, you know, if you if you get up in the morning and you do one task, right, and you do it every morning and you, 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 uh, you make your bed, and I don't do this very often, sorry – Michelle, my wife. <laughs> uh, but uh, you, you wake up and you do one task that's positive that gets you going. You'll you su- you'll be surprised how it just motivates you in, to do that next task, right? You keep doing it. It's the truth. Like it really wants you. I mean, we all have ups and downs of being super motivated and not being motivated. As a musician, I'm that way almost all the time. You know, I have periods of time where I'm like, wow, creative and motivated, and times where I'm like, oh, I got to deal with this other stuff, you know. But if you do one thing, if you volunteer one time, you'll be surprised how much you want to. Do do it even more yeah. and how much you want to you just feel good helping people and it doesn't have to be one organization you know i mean it's even better in my opinion to to try to help multiple organizations and be that person that inspires somebody else that you know okay man yeah this is cool you know let's, you just feel good doing it i mean just do it it helps just an hour volunteering for something or a couple hours or 
twenty dollars. I mean, you just if if a thousand people donate twenty dollars, you got some real money, you know. So, and then that'll help with the awareness. Somebody will be like, "Oh wait, where were you?" Mm-hmm. And then you can tell them about what you did and who you were helping, and maybe they didn't know about it before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you're out there listening, you know we encourage you, and and none of us are perfect. So we're not right. trying to say right. that you know <laughs> we're all we all have bad days where we unfortunately might be. Well, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you know you might be yeah, a little short with somebody. Some people might not have or, bad days, but yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we all have those moments where we wish we could have been better at things and but that's the whole right. thing you volunteer you you try you, you get up and you try again to be kind to somebody you know or, or do something or volunteer i think it just it makes a difference no matter what you've done in your past you know um you know some things stay with you forever obviously and but you know just try to be kind so that's a good moral to the story i guess you sh- yeah. should say that's very recurring throughout all the guests we have and we appreciate you know, every guest that sits across from us, you know, we're, we certainly appreciate being in your presence and the yeah. things that you do for the com- community and and just in general, positivity, you know, positive things for the community. So thank you very much, Kim. And uh, did you want to la- add any last thoughts or anything or maybe tell your contact information again at the end for those that are listening that want to kind of reach out? Sure. Um, I just – I love what kind of the – synergy here (laughs) the direction this is going because that is absolutely it it's being kind and um helping it within your community because you are a part of the community i guarantee that you have children in the community it's important to be involved and it whether it's this organization or others you mentioned teamworks love that organization love what they're doing we're involved with them as well always try to include them there's so many amazing organizations if you think about Moore County uh, you know Family Promise Friend to Friend the Life Pregnancy Center um, Teamworks it just at te- uh, I just attended the banquet for adult and teen challenge uh, just mind blown at how wonderful that program is so I think that we have a lot of treasures in this community that you can get behind and be proud that you're fighting something that plagues our society that's hurting people whether it's an addiction or it's homelessness or it's human trafficking or sexual assault whatever it is pregnancy unexpected pregnancy so to get um, involved with changing destinies uh, again it's www.changingdestiniesministry.org and I'm Kim Nixon, the executive director. Any email will come directly to me. And um, we need volunteers. We are an all-volunteer organization at this point. There will be, you know, salaried people in the future when we're open. But right now, all the money is going towards trying to get this shelter open. So we really rely on our volunteers. We couldn't do it without volunteers. It could be anything from working at events. Sometimes we'll put our tent up at one of these festivals and we'll hand out information bags to families and talk to them about human trafficking. It could be that. It could be the gala, something like that, uh, working there to as a fundraiser. Uh, there's so many different ways to get involved. It could be um, somebody on an advisory position. We have a couple of attorneys that do pro bono. We have a bookkeeper that's doing pro bono. We have um, 
we need social media people. Uh, that's not my generation. <laughs> we need somebody younger, an influencer, somebody who can network and get the word out and craft these messages for us as a volunteer. Uh, we need graphic designers for that purpose as well. I didn't realize how important that was until just recently, but we need that for professional presentations. Mm -hmm. We need organizations to come behind us and help us in so many different areas. We do have people that are interested in helping us renovate the home uh, in terms of decorating and providing the sheets and whatnot. I mean, there's so many different ways to um, volunteer. We have seven committees that someone with those interests and talents could very well be the the catalyst that helps us get to the next level of where we want to be uh, you talked about big visions and you're right cliff has a big one and it's a beautiful one and i do too like it goes way beyond this shelter but we've got to start somewhere and generally it's going to have to start small but it can grow and we see that with other organizations. If you have marketing skills, if you are a fundraiser, you do events, if you do property, anything with a property like coordinating, getting a contractor, that's one of our big needs right now is we need a general contractor with um, um, commercial and industrial experience. Um, if you are good in finance, uh, our treasurer is a you know, needing to roll off of our board of directors, for example. I need people with skills in that area. Um, we need people who want to, our intercessors, who will pray for what's happening with the ministry. I believe so firmly in that. And the reason that we're faith-based is I saw my daughter's healing, and it was through churches and Christians coming along beside her, speaking life into her and praying for her. We, it's so critical that we have those intercessors come along beside us. So there's many different ways to get involved. As you said, if you don't have money, that's fine. We have so many different needs to fill. We need those hands and feet. Yeah, boots on the ground, and I think too, uh, you know, for the young people that are just you know maybe still in high school or getting or get or in college, they come home for the summer, maybe, you know that this is. I mean, it looks good. It doesn't always have to come when you're that young. You know, things kind of some things may mean a lot to some people, but you know, some things may may not, and you're just kind of figuring life out and figuring out what you know you want to do this stuff. But when you're young, come home for summer, like try to find a place to volunteer, not because only it's good for you and, and it's good for the community. It's, it should be something you want to do, but even, you know, it helps with resumes. I mean, if you volunteer for places and you help things in your community, like when you're, when you're out of college or whatever, you want to get a job, all that stuff looks good. So there's benefits that way too. Cause I know when you're young, you don't always have the right visions, you know, and you know, I wish I had been more community involved and things like that when I was younger, well, you but I you wasn't. Have priorities when you're young. It, yeah. Like, like pushing boundaries. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Those priorities were terrible, but you know, if only I had vision back then, then right. where would I be? You know, but, uh, but no, but I think it's a good point just to, you know, um, it, it's, I think it's crucial in a lot of organizations, businesses, um, you know, for young people to, to work or volunteer in these things because you need that, you know, uh, every starting position in a business, uh, you know, like you see like a Chick-fil-A or, or McDonald's or somewhere people, a lot of people start out young there, you know, and it gives 
them that work ethic and they they don't make a million dollars but it gives them that um you know push to to become a functioning person in society and to help you know be a positive part of their community no matter how big or small so an an accomplishment like you said with the uh example of doing one Mm -hmm. positive thing like making the bed Mm -hmm. it's the same sort of thing you know just having that sense of accomplishment is is really beneficial Mm-hmm. And, and if yeah. you if you force yourself one summer to come volunteer for something, or if your parents are like, "Hey, you got to do this now," and you know, um, it, you might f- be pleasantly surprised at how it influences your life the rest of your life to right. that you'll want to start doing those things more and more, and you'll be it'll snowball. You know? Yeah, who knows? You could find out that you want to make a career in philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you very much, Kim, for being on 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 the show today. We really yes. appreciate it. It's uh, always a pleasure to meet new people who are uh, a positive influence in the community and uh we uh are very humbled to be in the uh position to you know all five listeners that we have uh <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> no, i think we might have uh, a few more than that these days oh, we've yeah. been working hard at it you know but uh, i mean hey, you got to start somewhere right kim you do it starts small <laughs> yeah, you know, build that foundation maybe in seven years i mean frank will be on to bigger things then but you know but uh, you'll still be i'll still be here (laughs) what does that mean frank (laughs) no but hey uh no frank i'm i will be here next to you if if you keep on so will i life lesson Uh, yeah it's life lesson right get in line (laughs) because you never know when that opportunity will open up right right? we're full of uh it's not useless it's very important i didn't want to say that it's more than less important yes and the show you're listening to is more or less with Tony Barnes and yes. Frank Daniels. We've been trying to figure out how to sign off. She's uh, she's like, okay, is this over yet? Right. <laughs> so, Are you guys done? Or do I can I get up now? Or, uh, we, we've been trying to figure out a good sign off um, for this show uh, for so long. Last, uh, last two weeks ago, we had Bones Fork, a band, uh, some Army Green Berets that created a, a band called Bones Fork, and uh, one of the, Joe Felice, I think, was the, the yeah. bass player. He's an art teacher too, and he said um, we're doing the same thing, trying to figure out how to sign off and he was like well you could do what my grandpa used to do it always used to make me cry <laughs> he'd be talking to his grandpa all happy you know and all of a sudden all of a sudden just randomly his grandpa would be like well bye buddy and hang up <laughs> in the middle of him talking you know so bye buddy well bye buddy let's see if that's we don't want to steal his and you know that's no it was good i but, like that we we keep it fresh yeah we can sign off differently every time right yeah yeah, well, we're, it's going to end one way or the other. Yeah, I, hope, we hope, I think we're just going to fade this one out because right, it's going off so long. But, but anyway, thank you again, Kim. Kim Nixon with Changing Destinies Ministries uh, for coming on the show. We really appreciate what you do. Frank uh, Daniels, executive producer, we're signing off now, right? Yes, yeah. si- signing off. We're off. We've been we're, we've been off. Yeah. That sounded good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, it's it's great. I like personality. I don't want stuffy. 